Welcome to Firefighting in Canada, the podcast, brought to you by Draeger. Draeger products protect, support, and save lives. Firefighting equipment you can trust. You've tuned in for compelling conversation on hot topics impacting Canada's fire service. From Hope, BC, I'm Fire Chief Tom DeSorcy. Taking on a new role in any department can be challenging to begin with, but add the fact that you do so in the midst of a global pandemic and the challenge is definitely increased. Adam Grant is the new chief in Markham, Ontario. That's where he joins us from today on the podcast. Chief, thank you for uh, taking the time. Thank you for having me, Tom. It's a pleasure. So tell me real quick here now, Markham, Ontario, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm in British yep. Columbia and yep. I, I, I've never been to Markham or maybe I have passing through Toronto. Tell us, uh, okay. tell us, tell us about your community. <laughs> yeah, so uh, it is the most diverse uh, community in Ontario and uh, we're home to about uh, 355,000 people. Um, diversity inclusion is at our strength. Uh, we're also uh, a high tech capital as well in the province. A lot of high-tech industry uh, in Markham as well. And we sit just above Toronto. We actually border Toronto, um, which everybody knows uh, Toronto in Ontario. And we sit literally right above them. And I believe we're the eighth largest municipality uh, population-wise in the, in the uh, province of Ontario. Wow. How big, is, how big is the fire department? So our fire department is, we're about uh, 280 people uh, full-time. We have... Um, about 240 in suppression, and then the rest make up the uh, support services and administration. And uh, we have one fire chief and two deputy chiefs are the only non-union positions uh, in our service. And uh, right now we're operating without a deputy chief because we, because of my promotion, now there's a deputy vacancy. So you were you were the, you were one of the deputies and uh, yep. and handling emergency uh, emergency programming, if you will. Uh, tell me about your career now. How did how did you get involved, or when did you get involved in this crazy business of ours? <laughs> Great question. <laughs> um, I had a career path in mind, which was um, ironically not fire, and uh, took some time after high school. A neighbor of mine suggested he got into the fire department. Oh, this would have been oh my goodness, Tom. We're probably going back twenty plus years and suggested to me, I think you'd be great in the fire department. And when I first looked at fire, uh, at fire services, the part that interests me was actually fire prevention. It actually wasn't uh, firefighting. I had my site set. I thought that was a better fit for me. I enjoyed the enforcement part, um, the education part, code application, and so on. And so I started my career back around 2002 um, into the fire service. And here I am. I worked my way up as a fire prevention officer into a captain of prevention, chief of prevention, deputy chief, and now fire chief. And I've actually never sat as a firefighter. I've never actually held the role of firefighter. Wow. That, that, that's, mm-hmm. that's interesting because you mm-hmm. normally think that you start in the yellow hats and you work your way up to the next one. So that's, that's right. A- yes. Yep. And, uh, and it was actually the deputy role. Um, I had an interesting opportunity. What we, what we do here in Markham, the way that we define the deputy roles, the portfolios is typically you'll have suppression and then support. But here in Markham, we divide suppression in half. So I, as a deputy, actually manage two platoons, fire prevention, public education and emergency management and health and safety. And my colleague, the other deputy, looked after two divisions of suppression, mechanical training, dispatch um, and other components of administration. 
so I actually had the opportunity for the last four years to manage um, fire suppression, which was a wonderful learning experience. Did that, was, were there any challenges not having suppression experience <clears throat> in moving into the officer's role right away? Great question. And uh, you know what? I, I looked at that a lot. I think one of the things that I, I think has got me to where I am today is uh, good self-reflection. And I knew that was a gap to me, uh, for me. So I wasn't going into the deputy role taking for granted what I knew. Uh, I needed to be a student. I needed to learn. And it actually created great relationships between me and the platoon chiefs, uh, myself and the captains in below the uh, reporting structure as well, because I think they saw that I was coming with a fresh perspective. I was coming with new ideas and I was genuinely interested to learn and that learning quickly turned into support. Well, tell me what you need, help me understand, and then I can support you. So a uh, big learning curve for me and, um, and it, it, was, it was quite successful. I really enjoyed it, had great relationships, uh, learned a lot, and I'm, here I am today as the uh, chief of the department. So you didn't come from the floor, as we say. Correct. Uh, you know, you you came into a into an environment. I, I would think maybe with some advantages. Then, as you said, to 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 be open to learn. I felt like that. I I did feel like it was an advantage for me because, um, also too, there there isn't a, as you said, coming from the floor. There was no reputation that was coming with me, um, that uh, that existed on the floor that people had worked with me in a capacity. I think. What um, the firefighters here had always seen is me on the prevention side moving up, uh, always putting myself forward, trying new um, uh, new ideas, pushing the envelope on the prevention side, uh, which reflects in our community. Uh, our uh, fires are very low in the city of Markham uh, because we've pushed the envelope with prevention initiatives. So I think people were excited with that type of interest of pushing the envelope. Uh, as you know, fire services are uh, 100 years of tradition unimpeded by progress is the joke. <laughs> um, and so uh, I think they were that uh, that's been a lot of excitement around here um, when I moved up and actually even more recently into the chief role that people really are excited to go through some change management and challenge the status quo. Is I mean, I want to know more about Markham and about the department and your challenges from a, an operational perspective sure. under normal yeah. under normal circumstances. I mean, mm -hmm. what are the what are the what are the risks and vulnerabilities, as it were, in your community? Great question. Um, it's illegal housing. Uh, illegal housing really challenges us. Basement apartments, rooming houses. So we in the city of Markham, uh, not to give you all the long history of the legislation, but essentially um, we in, in Markham do not allow for basement apartments or rooming houses to be created. They have to be existing before November 16, 1995, or they're not permitted. And that also accompanies our zoning bylaws and zoning regulations. So we um, zoning as how that would relate the housing situation to operational issues is you're not just fighting fires with one family in the home you're fighting fires with the home being compartmentalized in some cases into 15 different rooms or the house being uh, converted into three separate apartments um, and that's been a challenge for us is when you are responding to a call not just on the prevention side but on the response side is showing up to what we feel is a typical house fire is anything but. Would you, would you be able to explain why this is uh, developed? Is it, is it an economic uh, issue in, in the area? It can be. I think it, it has a lot to do with your right, the, the economy. Uh, Markham is very close to Toronto 
and uh, we have um, uh, an excellent transit network um, that lends itself to uh, people looking for shared accommodation. And so that's quite desirable to the homeowner to make extra income. And so this is what this is what has been a challenge for us for many, many years. And um, uh, here in the city of Markham, uh, th that, that's what I would say is our number one uh, challenge that we face. Are the home prices what they're like in, say, a Vancouver out here in, in BC? Oh, yeah. Is it oh, skyrocketing? Yeah. Like yeah, absolutely. Tomorrow? Absolutely. Yes. And I think that obviously those pressures and I think, you know, as I know where our conversation is going to move into the uh, um, the hot topic of COVID, um, I think this is something that we are watching diligently uh, as we transition into 2021 with the economy taking a hit. People are going to be looking to subsidize their mortgage um, or at bringing on uh, individuals. People will be looking to sell their homes and move into a rental situation. So I think this is going to be a challenge that's going to con continue to uh, face us as we move forward through the pandemic as well. Let's talk about uh, about the pandemic. Let's talk about sure. emergency management in general. Now, you were sure. in your deputy chief role, wore the hat of the emergency coordinator, as I would That's call right. it here in British That's Columbia. Right. Yep. Um, the different name in, in Ontario is? Community Emergency Management Coordinator, CEMC. So you, you I'm, I'm thinking that in March, uh, you probably activated an emergency operations center yes, structure. Yes, correct, to, correct, to manage, yes. Yes. Manage this emergency. Yep, um, you're right. Yep, yep. Still, still activated. Still underway. No. So uh, actually, what happened was we we activated in March, um, and it was felt by our city manager at the time, our CAO, um, that it would be best managed uh, where the executive leadership team, our CAO, and our three commissioners sat um, as a liaison between council and the emergency operations center. So I ended up taking on the role of director of uh, the EOC and running our entire COVID operation uh, for the city, um, which was a, a phenomenal challenge uh, in many ways, lots of stress. Um, and uh, we ended up running until the numbers started to dip, I would say in around June, and then we transitioned into a COVID coordination team. Uh, which sits, uh, which is the most affected areas like recreation, library, sit in consultation with our executive leadership team now that make decisions on do we bring people back, do we not bring people back, what do the infection control procedures look like in our building, uh, hand sanitization, masks, etc. Did the fact that you were in the fire department aid in being the emergency uh, coordinator or that uh, role? I know a lot of people talk about that. Absolutely. Uh, honestly, without a doubt, um, it did. I think, you know, first of all, understanding uh, structure, reporting structure, that, uh, you know, there's one person in charge, uh, the IMS system that we uh, instinctively, Tom, as you know, that's what we fall back to. And I think it becomes very naturally through the course of our career that we have adopted that model. And um, I think that that suits itself very well when you're in this predicament. And so, I think bringing in people from other uh, parts of the organization, um, I really helped them get settled. Number one, because I had a working relationship with them already. So from corporate communications or legal or uh, recreation, et cetera, bringing them in, but then establishing the, for lack of better terms, the hierarchy right away that as EOC director, this is my responsibility. You funnel into me and then I communicate out and we need to be task oriented. And we established, we mobilized very quickly. And uh, when our EOC was active, our numbers were uh, fantastic. 
we were managing very well. Our communications were uh, excellent and expedient out in the community, and we had uh, we felt like we had a very uh, successful uh, first wave. Back to what we what we talked about at the beginning, and, and we talked about stepping into a new role, and, and in the midst of a pandemic, I mean, I'm getting the sense that you may not uh, have wanted it any other way in terms of a challenge. <laughs> well, you know, it was um, it's a as it's a very trying time, and I I thought about uh, uh, if we were going to talk about this, <laughs> I would respond to it, and I'm challenged by it. It's um, I think I'm I'm excited for the challenge. Um, I'm I'm thrilled to have this opportunity to have this role, um, but there are pressures unlike no other, uh, budgetary pressures that are going to be facing us next year, uh, people pressures with respect to the emotional and mental health implications as it relates to COVID and the family stresses that people are bringing to work. And as you and I had talked about previously, you know, we're very fortunate to be able to come to work, but some of our firefighters that are coming to work or any of some of our staff, uh, their spouses have been laid off or their partners have been laid off or they've had issues with homeschooling, et cetera. So the time for uh, leadership, not just in the traditional fire uh, service role uh, as it stands, the leadership to be there for people when they're at their lowest to help people transition through, to encourage them to come to work and continue to give 100%, even though there are challenges that are facing them at home and with the pandemic. it's It's been overwhelming. That, that has been overwhelming, and I'm sure it's been overwhelming and challenging for uh, many of my colleagues across the country. Have you had to change the way you manage uh, the operation with the COVID uh, issues, the COVID, uh, COVID challenges? Absolutely. I'll I'll tell you communication. Um, I've been communicating via video messages to staff uh, because I feel like if I can't get out to the stations, it's nice for them to see you um, in person. Uh, we make, uh, myself and the other deputy, we've been making a point to set aside the mornings to go out to the fire stations and connect and sort of do what we call the world tour, where we go out to all the stations and connect with all four platoons. Uh, which has pushed a lot of the administrative work to the late afternoons into the evening. and But I feel like it's important that people want to hear from you. They want to hear from the leadership. They want to understand that you understand what they're going through and that you relate and you're listening and they can be heard. So it's been a lot of time. I, I think I've spent a significant amount of time over the last I'd say six months in the station, more so than I ever have in my entire career. What would you consider to be your vision for the department moving forward with the COVID and then moving into the future? So definitely with COVID, stabilizing our resources. That's number one. We, we've, been, uh, we've had an interesting opportunity with us recently where we will be outsourcing our alarm room. Uh, through collective bargaining, we feel that with the next generation 911 coming online, uh, we were able to work with our association and we're seeking a strategic partnership to take on our dispatch, which we feel is now a commodity that we can buy, uh, which we've done. And we're excited about the strategic partnership that we're going in with another municipality to take on our dispatch. So I would say our vision through COVID is to stabilize our uh, frontline resources, which is prevention, education and suppression. But long term, our goal would be to to be a proactive leader in modernizing all aspects of fire protection service delivery. 
And I think that that is something that we are all excited about. I provided that as my vision statement to mayor and council, and they're really excited about it. And I feel that the fire service is ready for modernization. And, and ironically, I think COVID has changed our mind on the way that we do business and the way that we look at the status quo. Why do we do these things? And um, I think that's going to set us out nicely once we recover to look at ways to modernize. I think we're seeing, uh, unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, lots of change in our business across Canada yep. with yep. retirements and people moving on despite the pandemic. Yep. What What do you have in terms of advice uh, for a person who may be considering a move up the ranks to, say, a chief officer role mm-hmm. or a chief role during mm-hmm. this kind of uh, this kind of challenge? Is it is it worth doing, or should we be holding back? No, absolutely. I think investing yourself, you'll never get more out of your career when you invest yourself in it. And I think I never understood uh, when I first got into the fire department, it almost seemed that, um, you know, promotion was looked down upon, you know, that people who wanted to move up were considered keeners. And uh, it was sort of a, uh, it was sort of the Uh, It was not normal that people wanted to move up and move themselves through the career. And I think those times have changed. Um, Also, moving up in your career gives you something positive to focus on. It's an investment in yourself. Even going through the opportunity to study and apply for a promotion, even if you're not successful, you're going to get so much out of it, uh, learning new strategies, new tactics, going back into the SOPs and policies to re-familiarize yourself. You may find new opportunities for improvement. So the investment in knowledge is never lost. And I do think that we need to continue to inspire people uh, to move up the ranks. I think that some of the challenges, not just with COVID, but even the shift structure of the 24-hour shift has made promotion less desirable uh, because of the flexibility of having a 24-hour shift. So we here in Markham, succession planning is a big deal. And uh, we look to row people right from the minute that they get into the fire service here. And we're always looking for opportunities to talk about succession planning, encourage our uh, platoon chiefs, our district chiefs to find talent within the organization, get them thinking about moving up into the department and creating that movement. And that movement reduces the staticness of um, the, the lower ranks and gets people moving around and challenging themselves and trying new things. I think it's imperative that we continue to uh, encourage people to move up. We talked about at the outset, uh, you know, talked about responding to an emergency such as this, and mm-hmm. it's not a not a fire emergency. It's not a right. it's not a suppression emergency. But right. I, I I'm I'm saying, and I've always said that I think the fire service is very well positioned to deal with this. And I, yep. would you would you agree? Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. And I think this is what we do. You know, we 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 mobilize quickly. You know, when someone calls 911, uh, we get the address, trucks deploy, we get on scene, we mobilize, we put the resources that we need to, and we focus on it until the job's done. And I think that this is what the, the mentality that I have brought here, that a lot of my colleagues in the province as well has have brought to the pandemic is, we understand what this is. Now, this is not an exercise in resources. This is an exercise in communication. And this is an exercise of compliance and human behavior. And so us, not only are we equipped to manage through the emergency, I think we are equipped to help change behavior through being role models in the community. 
by us wearing our masks when we're out in the community, encouraging people, hey, you know, you should be wearing a mask when you're out in the grocery store or catching people along our occurrence to talk to them. Are you, how are you doing? You doing okay? And um, how, how are you managing through the pandemic and creating a uh, an extension of the city uh, through the arm of the fire service to bring the community together to know that there are people out there that care. But yes, I, uh, to answer your point, we are well equipped and uh, the way that we do our business fits very well uh, with the pandemic that's facing us today. Of the things that you had to do, and every department had to do, like the video calling, the training was done from yep. afar. We, yep. you know, at the beginning, we didn't train in the volunteer fire world. That's it was, right. Yes. It, was, it yep. was out of service for the longest time. Yep. What What will you continue to do once this uh, once this passes? You know what? The I will tell you, Tom, it has been the face-to-face meetings. Um, although laborious, um, it has been incredible. We have gained so much insight uh, into our operation that we were never otherwise aware of. Just meeting with our staff. Uh, we have a, a term here we use, real talk. We say to our staff, we don't want to leave a station and you go, you know, behind our back, oh, those guys know nothing. We want to go out to the station where we can have real talk and they can get it out so we can work on solutions together. And it has been so insightful. We've been able to onboard it, onboard some new strategies. Uh, we also were able to procure just from one of our visits, I'll give you a small example, uh, from one of our visits, our uh, SCBA techs, where we manage and uh, maintain our own SCBA equipment in-house. And one of our SCBA techs had come across, uh, come across an issue, you know, when cylinders are coming in uh, post-fire, you know, we're getting all this these products of combustion all over us. And, um, you know, is there anything you guys uh, uh, can do to help encourage staff to clean their cylinders? Well, we ended up, my colleague and I ended up doing some research and we found these SCBA washing machines uh, by a company called Solo. So we ended up getting our staff involved in the procurement. We ended up buying two of them. We have them being installed as we speak. Um, and the staff are thrilled. And it was a low-cost uh, initiative that came from the front line that's going to make our uh, staff safer and reduce the products of combustion transfer post-fire. So um, it's been those types of nuggets that we've been able to gather from our frontline um, staff, which we we want to continue to mine. We want to, There's gold there. We want to continue to mine it. We've been in the decon business for a long time now, and uh, this yep. only makes it uh, makes it more reasonable, doesn't it? You got it. Yes, absolutely. Yep, absolutely. It's amazing. Yeah. I, I thank you for the time in in this. I, I know, like I say, when the fire service, we talked about emergency management. We had a chance to look ahead to the uh, to the world without COVID and how we'll yep. continue to operate the way we always have. And I wish you all the best. And uh, thanks again for taking the time today. The pleasure was mine, Tom. Thank you. Thank you for joining Firefighting in Canada, the podcast brought to you by Draeger. Draeger products protect, support, and save lives. Firefighting equipment you can trust. Visit firefightingincanada.com for more episodes.